this is Strong Style. This is a very special edition of the In This Corner podcast, just days out from Showtime's new documentary on the life and daily struggle of the voice of combat sports, Mauro Ranallo. It's called Bipolar Rock and Roller, and it airs on Friday night at 9 p.m. Eastern. I really couldn't encourage you any stronger to check out this film. Mama Mia, indeed. Yes, the Brian Campbell. In fact, the voice that you hear ready to roll out a very special edition of the ITC, as I mentioned, as we bring the topic of mental health and awareness to the forefront. Thanks to how brave and authentic Morrow has been in bringing his story to light through this film. We know we heard him just months ago on this podcast in an interview that touched a lot of us very deeply. And I was lucky enough to tag along with Morrow this week on Tuesday in New York City during a few of his press stops before joining him and many others for the bipolar rock and roller red carpet premiere in Manhattan. What I've got for you is a myriad of sound focused on that film, but also on Morrow's unique career and his impact on the combat sports landscape across boxing, MMA. WWE and beyond my chat with Moro is a two-part deal and we'll both open and close this episode as I not only recorded some very intimate sound inside a car as we navigated the streets of New York City together but also during a lengthy sit-down for Showtime's Facebook Live Q&A which was conducted at the Facebook studios on Broadway. The conversations are very different in the end but worth your time as Morrow talks not just about the film's origins, but also the responsibility he feels to truly become an advocate and change lives through what he's doing by bringing mental health to the forefront. Very, very intimate, raw stuff like only Morrow can do, putting it all out there. In between, you'll hear some conversations with Showtime Sports President Steven Espinoza, WWE Hall of Famer Booker T., NXT superstar Johnny Gargano, MMA legend, and former UFC heavyweight champion Boss Rutan, was able to catch up with all of them at the red carpet and and beyond. A very strong event altogether. I definitely continue to encourage you to check this film out Friday night. This is performance-enhancing audio, just how you like it, but it's also a much more personal podcast that truly touched me at the core, considering how close Morrow's message hits home to me and members of my family, and I'm sure after watching the film this week, you will be able to say the same about you. So I'm proud of these interviews and thankful to Morrow for the time and for being so authentic and vulnerable. Special thanks as well to my brethren at Showtime Sports for all of the access. I sincerely hope Hope you enjoy. So without any further ado, let's hear from the man himself, the bipolar rock and roller. Enjoy. Mama Mia, indeed. Ooh. How long have I wanted to say that? <laughs> I'm Brian Campbell of CBS Sports and the In This Corner podcast. You know this guy. Hello. Showtime Sports. More now the voice of combat sports. What we're mm. talking NXT and WWE, Bellator, MMA. Boxing on Showtime all the way across the board. i got a few more digits left. Well, I think you got a couple jobs. <laughs> left as well. I didn't even bring up kickboxing back into your day. But more of this Friday, of course, we know 9 p.m. Eastern on Showtime. Yes. Bipolar Rock and Roller, the documentary that really looks at your struggles with bipolar disorder, the highs, mm. the lows from the farm on the yes. dead-end street yes. in Abbotsville. Abbotsford. Abbotsford, Abbotsford yep. British Columbia. How's that for research? Yep. No, it's good. All the way. So the two biggest fights in combat sports history – Gritty, behind the scenes, a real look yeah. at, at what you're going through. And I want to start right off the top with mm. the name, mm. the Bipolar Rock and Roller. You were nicknamed as well. What's yeah. the origin behind that name? When I was uh, diagnosed after the death of my best friend, Michael Jansen, when I was 19, and if you do research on mental health conditions, it's usually a traumatic uh, event that will trigger uh, a meltdown, a breakdown, as it were. I, I fought it like everyone else uh, in my family and, and other people who have been diagnosed. We, we tend to not want to admit to such issues as, uh, you know, oh, you're crazy or you belong in a, the loony bin, as it were. And so when I went through my first set of hospitalizations and, and tried to self-medicate with booze, drugs, uh, promiscuity, you, you call it what you will. I've, I've been there, done that. I realized that no one is dealing with this seriously and it and it is literally costing me my life i could feel myself slowly slipping away and i i saw how my family reacted and how many people that genuinely care had no idea what was going on. So the more research I did, the more I realized, wow, I could have written the very definition of bipolar disorder mixed states. As a nightclub and radio DJ and a minor celebrity in my neck of the woods, I decided to 
christen myself the bipolar bike. You're not allowed to give yourself a nickname. We're ahead of the internet right now, but you were were ahead of the game. I'm ahead of the game. I gave myself a nickname. And the reason, Brian, was because of the word bipolar in it. And yeah, kind of catching cool. And when people heard it, they were like, yeah, you are the bipolar rock and roll. You're crazy. You're over the top. You're always energetic. And I said, and they say, who gave, like you say, who gave it to you? I said, me. And they went, you're not supposed to do that. I said, yeah, but I'm bipolar. They're like, no, you're not. And I said, yeah, I am. And they go, does that really even exist? And there's the conversation starting. The more I used it back in the 90s to try to begin conversation, when the documentary was first broached and we were coming up with a name, immediately both Harris Yusanovich, the my best friend who, who made this documentary, and myself decided, yeah, that says it all in the name. Bipolar rock and roller. So that's the genesis of uh, the sobriquet, if you will. And look where we are now. And we... We're on the internet. We welcome the comments and questions from all the viewers. And I got a bunch of questions myself, Moro, because look, this film, it, it touches a lot of mm. people. It touched me. It will touch so many when it comes out. And it features a large amount of footage really shot over a long period of time. So what's the timeline on sort of the genesis of this film and, and getting to this point in 2018 where we're going to see the, on Friday night? The timeline is the timeline of my life, Brian. I knew very Young age, in fact, I always crack wise. I came out of the womb doing play-by-play of my entry into this world because my parents even remember when I was in the, the tub or, or in my room with my toys where I'd use the empty tube of toilet paper to, to interview my inanimate objects and give them storylines and characters. And I've always been enamored with storytelling and, and I was a voracious reader, had a, had a curious mind and, and was always wanting to be a performer of some kind and whether a broadcast, acting, whatever the case may be, I want to make people feel something at a very young age. And so for me, having my career begin at 16 years of age on on national television in my home country of Canada, there's thousands of hours of me through not only my my professional career, but a, a friend of mine, one of my first mentors and one of the first people to hire me. In fact, the only application form I filled out in my life was at 17 as a mobile not, music hey, DJ. Not a bad run. Not right? a bad run, right? And Peter Cordalis is his name, genius, um, a re- musician, recording, had the recording studio, photography. He really took me under his wing, and he, he realized that, he, you know, early in our friendship, man, you got something. You're a performer. You're this. So we'd always set up his camera back in the 90s and have get-togethers, and we'd do improvisational theater, like almost like, what's your line? They throw things and but you could see even in some of those tapes my manic energy uh burst forth so uh all of that was taped and then when i met harris in 2006 at the fight network in toronto we quickly became friends he showed me a short film that he had made uh in his native bosnia after the war and i said you did this by yourself he goes yeah and i'm like holy crap man you got an eye for story you're a great storyteller for uh, editing shooting all that stuff the more we spent time together, he saw the other side of my life and the struggles that I had to deal with. And he's like, Moro, man, uh, you know, as good as you are and as you know, I love you to death, but well, you got something here. I think you can help people because look what you do. And yet look what you have to, you know, so many people are struggling in silence. You have a voice. So together, I allowed him to, to film me over, oh, man, the last decade, maybe. And there, and here we are. So lots of footage to, to be hey, dissected. Speaking of footage, we're talking about intimate, raw mm-hmm jarring footage sure. i mean if if you know you're the voice of combat sports and mm. ufc one was as no holds barred and raw as it was <laughs> this film is a crude comparison nobody to lost that. a tooth uh, close though close <laughs> to this one i mean that's the first takeaway i think for anybody watching this is how incredibly real it was so what are those conversations when you're putting this together what do i keep in what do i keep out how much is too much where maybe that's i'm funny. missing the message at some point? i've seen uh the cut of the doc and it was at times very difficult to watch but that is why I made it and decided to agree to it and allowed the cameras to show me my most vulnerable because otherwise we talk about it, not enough. It's been written about, not enough. It's been shown in Hollywood at times in, in bad ways, but now we're seeing a rise in, in how mental health is being depicted in a real authentic way. And I applaud people like uh, Claire Danes and her portrayal on Homeland and uh, even on Empire, the Fox, there's a, a, one of the characters has bipolar and, and we're, and Ron Howard with a beautiful mind. I thought he actually may have creatively done the best depiction I've seen because you go to uh, one floor of the cuckoo's nest, an amazing movie, but that's, that's what mental health conditions for many people were like. This is an asylum. Like I, I've never been to jail, but I've been hospitalized and I, in psychiatric wards that 
had to be just as worse uh, or as any jail cell. So for me, the fact that, uh, you know, we are now dealing with something that has so much stigma, so much negativity. Yeah, it had to be uncomfortable to watch because that's where we're going to get this conversation started. And the amount of feedback I received just on the tease and the trailer from men, predominantly men that are like, wow, this is me or I couldn't believe you did this or I have a brother or a girlfriend or my partner or my mom, my dad. Like, it is amazing to me that something that should be as simple as what we do every day. Hey, how are you? And yet, do we really mean it when we ask it? And does the answer even, you know, is it authentic or is it rote? So I want to just show you what this looks like. And then I want you to go and try to help others because we're losing too many lives. And the fact that a lot of men are committing suicide because of the stigma associated with mental health, I, I cannot be on this earth knowing that that is a, a real statistic because me talking you to you now is keeping me alive. And I, I feel the release and I feel the, 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 the fact that this is making me feel better. And millions don't have a voice, but we all do. And just go on Twitter. I feel I, I'm not feeling well. Help. And I want you then to go to NAMI Communicate. I want you to go to fountainhouse.org, uh, clubhouse slash intl.org. Because, uh, it, during my trip to New York, I've been, I, I've laid witness to maybe the, the best mental health care facility I've ever seen where you don't know who a patient is, who a staff member is, who the doctor is, and, and just the cleanliness and the brightness and the, the welcome nature of it. So there's so much already happening and, and I just hope that this doc is another. And can you share the another four letters, NAMI? And yeah. Our, no, our viewers can, can sure. Donate, of uh, NAMI is the National Alliance on Mental Illness and they are a great resource for, uh, information, for, for crisis lines, for, for therapy, for, uh, simply, uh, sharing the, the message of what mental illness is and, and they've been very good to me in, uh, and again, Demi Lovato, uh, DeMar DeRozan, Kevin Love, Michael Phelps, Logic, uh, there, there's so many major celebrities, major personalities that are starting to, to speak. And I, I just want to keep this ball rolling. I love it. An honest conversation. No one's more authentic than more. No, <laughs> nothing is more authentic than this movie. So when you talk about where this could go, how this might affect people, what's your biggest hope? What's your biggest fear in how this film is ultimately received? First of all, I never would have thought that a documentary on my life would have ever been made. The second thing is to have the premiere here in the biggest media capital of the world, New York City. It's, it's all very humbling. But the, the one thing I want everyone to see this, uh, or to take away from this, is if I can, and it's already happened. So it's like it's, it's blowing my mind that the documentary hasn't even aired and I'm getting hundreds of messages of where people literally are telling me that I have, uh, saved their life. And that's weird. That's <laughs> that, that's, that's humbling that's, that's to incredible. the nth degree. So the fact that that, you know, and again, wow, to think all it took was for me to, to show a little vulnerability, then imagine what all of us can do. This alpha male syndrome, this man, especially where we're made to be, oh, you know, you can't show weakness. You, you can't be, uh, you know, you're, you're doing this for attention. Imagine if you heard that over and over and yet we're really suffering. Of course you're going to jump off a roof. Of course you're going to hang yourself. How the hell can anyone deal with that burden over and over again? And I've said it before. No, I'm not taking insulin for diabetes. I'm not undergoing chemotherapy for cancer. I'm not in a wheelchair, but <laughs> at my lowest, I would trade places with each and every one of those people. Well, you called your bipolar disorder many times a blessing and a curse, and how it relates to your career. And being really honest, this is an incredible career you're putting together. How has it been a blessing, though? You just said it. How does a guy from a dead-end road in, in Abbotsford, British Columbia, who had those dreams, even visualized it, go from being hospitalized for three months, life over at 21, to calling Floyd Mayweather versus Manny Pacquiao, uh, Floyd Mayweather versus Conor McGregor, Anthony Joshua versus Vladimir Klitschko in front of 90,000 people, the 2017 WWE Match of the Year, John Cena, AJ Styles, NXT TakeOver New Orleans. I, and it's not bragging. I'm not trying to name. Look at me. This is, this is what I do. But the beauty of and this is why, some of the most amazingly talented people, I will not even begin to try to include myself in this group, just giving you reference points. Robin Williams, Leonardo da Vinci, you go on and on. Even the people I've just mentioned, these incredible actors and singers and rappers, 
their mental health impacts all of us and there is a beauty to it and that beauty is the creative freedom we we are the ones that that are polarizing or make you go weird what what's this guy doing why does he sound like that oh oh wait a minute what was that reference but I'm not a cookie cutter. I'm not vanilla. Neither should any one of us be. Everyone says, oh, you want, you're going to be the next so-and-so. You are the first you. This is me, warts and all. I'm having a fulfilling life. I'm living the dream, and I struggle every day with this bloody disorder. But I'm fighting, and I've lost too many people to suicide for, for, for no other reason that no one would freaking listen to them. Right. Enough's enough, man. So that's all I'm doing. It's not for me. I want just people to see, holy shit, if this idiot from Mount, you know, who am I? Who am I? Nobody. I'm a guy that's living the dream that's having to struggle seven days a week. There's so many more talented people, so many more brighter people. There are people that could be making a huge difference in all of our lives, and they're committing suicide because of a bloody stigma. So goddamn everyone who's ever stigmatized anybody, just shut up, listen, and show empathy, please. We, we can hear the, the passion in your voice. We can hear the love in your voice. And you've spoken a lot about this idea of being a mental health advocate. Mm. It's it's becoming your life mission in a, in a lot of ways. So wait, when's the turning point where you said, look, this is something that that's, I've struggled with, but I could use this to help so many other people become a positive? It was when I was in uh, the basement of my dear friend, Keith Crawford, who is, again, I've had so many people help me. When others have no one because of whatever. I've had so many people. 2003, I'm in the basement of his house in Calgary. I'd gone there to try to resurrect my uh, career. He'd given me an opportunity to get a job in Calgary Radio. Also trying to save the last real serious relationship that I had had. And it wasn't working. None of it was working. His girlfriend at the time, beautiful lady, came home one day and said, Keith, love Morrow to death, but he's got to go because I don't want to come home and see him hanging in the basement. Like, I, the, 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 it permeates the world. You, it's not just you that is affected. You, the ripple effect envelops your entire social circle. So when my dad and my brother had to fly to Calgary to drive my car back, and I get home on that very day where I'm at my rock bottom and there's a phone message from Boss Rutten saying that Pride Fighting Championships was looking for a play-by-play announcer. So on the very same day, I get the opportunity of a lifetime where I'm actually rock bottom and I actually collapse on the floor. And that's when I said, enough is enough. I will surrender. Do whatever you have to do to me, but this is the last time. So if it works, it works. If not, I'm out of here. And two weeks after being hospitalized, I'm in Japan calling Pride Fighting Championships Bushido One with Boss Rutan, and I haven't looked back since. Wow. This, I mean, this, this journey is incredible. Yes. The, the, the highs and lows that, that's captured in this film. And you mentioned just a little bit before, how many celebrities are stepping out now and being oh, honest, being taking it public like you're doing right now? What has been the reaction specifically in the fight game, in the, in the, the sports that you congregated? In? Great question. A lot of people were wondering, including my boss at uh, Showtime, uh, Stephen Espinoza, who's been instrumental as the entire family at Showtime has been in getting my story told at first. And he said it in a recent piece where he was like, uh, I don't know, man, we're, 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 you know, I want morals our guy. We got to protect him. Like he's our boy. Like what was that? And then he, as soon as he said it, he realized, well, that's exactly why we got to show it. This is my, if I'm thinking this, how many other people are thinking this? We, and he, he is, everyone that I've dealt with in WWE, Bellator, Showtime, the feed, like I say, the, the and I want to protect their identities. If they want to talk about it, they will. But the professional athletes, not just from the fight world, have uh, uh, contacted me. Uh, rap stars have contacted me. Uh, people that have no right even they should have, there's no way they should even know I exist, have contacted me to let me know, wow, this is not, it immediately impacted them, whether it's relatives, whether it's them individually. So it's just, it's been incredible that all it took was me to just show, that's why it's a visual. We live in a visual world. Look at this Facebook Live. Hey, everybody, how are you? This is, this is, we have to utilize technology. And everyone has a story. What I would like to see is I hope this documentary allows people to go in front of their cameras, go on Facebook Live, push record and say, hello, I'm so-and-so. I suffer from depression. I'm having a tough time. I'd like to have a conversation about it. Please send me comments. Please send me help. Imagine if we use the power of all of this technology to to help everybody. And I, I hope that's what the ripple effect is, because I think we can use all of this to a lot greater good than we're doing right now. I, I totally agree. And uh, you... This is a daily struggle, a fight for you. Sure. Is it a coincidence that your job is in the fight world, covering every top five? Is there a connection 
to the, to the game, to the struggle that they go through, that, that's a natural appeal for you. I think we all go through a fight. So, yeah, I, I believe all of us, the wonderful people in this room, everyone watching, you and I, we all do. It's a cliche. It's whatever you want it to be. But the fact that I am dealing with the baddest people on the planet, so to speak, the alpha males and females, the toughest mofos, uh, I think that's also part of the, the, the movement. And I guess the higher power, whoever it is, it, it put me on this path for a reason. And, and again, when I get these incredible athletes, these people who <laughs> are the coolest of the cool, and they look at The Rock, Dwayne Johnson. Forget me, man. It doesn't, it's The Rock and everybody else right now in this game. Big, Not the biggest star in Hollywood. I mean, let's the, be honest. And so, he is showing vulnerability. He's talking about depression. I think we could all do a little bit more, my friend. I think, I think we're getting there. What has been this reaction from your closest family and friends who may be close to you, but maybe haven't seen behind that wall, right. this wall that you're opening up for this film? What has been that reaction? Well, the sad truth is they, they, they've been on this journey with me. And I think there is, I guess, the, the ego part of me, wanted this documentary to be made to show my parents especially and my mom is the biggest fighter I've ever met the the health issues that woman has endured and then having to deal with her oldest boy being in hospital where they don't know anything they they're uneducated Italians who came over to this country to try to make a better life and here's this kid who was straight A student class clown you know everyone loves her son and he's you know Hospital bed, and my dad never really, I don't think, fully understood it, but my dad understands success. My dad understands money. So for me, I, I wanted them especially to realize, hey, this has been, and it continues to be really tough, but, you know, I, I maybe shouldn't even say this, but I am proud of it. I want to say the biggest gift I could ever give my parents, especially after making just $7,000 in 2003 when I began to turn it and how much they've had to suffer. I paid off my parents' mortgage this year, and that will be the, the greatest gift that I could have given my, especially my dad, because I, I don't think he really, none of my brothers, I don't think anyone realized that I would make it. Wasn't supposed to make it. I mean, that, that's, that's, that's incredibly beautiful to do that for your parents. Thank I mean, you. I mean, I know how, how dads sometimes speak yeah, in that of course. language of Especially security Italianos. and, and, yep. and, and yep. financials. And you mentioned earlier the landmark events you covered. The yeah. reality is a lot of these happened within the same 12 months. I mean, 2017 <laughs> for more Morello is, is an all-time year yep. for any announcement. And more, let's be honest about the legacy that you're creating separate from the, from the mental health sure. advocacy. Just in your actual job, no one bounces between three sports yeah. or four at times yeah. like this on the combat world. Are you able to enjoy that? Are you able to, to press pause enough and take stock at how loved you are and how great you are at this profession? I have been asked this question, and maybe the biggest response that I've received is the answer to this question. So I will say it this way. No, I don't. And that is the greatest tragedy of my life. And that is what people seem to relate to, in, in especially in the arts, whether singing, acting, performing, uh, bankers, high-level, high, very successful people who are doing this because they are meant to do it and, and are not able to enjoy it. And maybe universally, there may be a sense to that. But for me, that's what hurts the most is everything I have wanted, I have achieved. And when I do try to enjoy, and for me, simply enjoying is maybe buying a nice dinner for, for friends and, or, or just buying a nice, you know, treating myself to a nice gift, immediate. It's almost like survivor's guilt. I realize how many people are homeless. I realize how many people in my industry will never allow the, or never get the chance to do what I do. For whatever reason, every action that is a positive for me is meant right away with a negative reaction. And it's it's crippling at times. And the documentary also depicts that. And that's that's what, yeah, it's it's like I, it's it's weird. It's what's next. Like people could say, Moro, you are now on top of Mount Olympus. You have just been given every power that whatever the higher force you call him, God, call him Allah, call him whatever you want. You, you, you have that now. <laughs> this more I would still say, okay, what's next? And that's just something I think, regardless of the mental health issues or my success, I'm just a very, I, I just perfectionist, never satisfied, always driven to do more because I want to leave my part of the world much better than when it, when it, when I came into this world. And that's just what it is. That's who I am. It's interesting. You've you've got this that great resume, that great reputation in the sports broadcasting industry. But I feel like you are 
opening the door for your true calling sure. of, hel- of helping other people. And do the, you, do uh, you, yeah. do you think long term about, about your goals in terms of that, in terms of creating that legacy? Well, I mean, I, I think in many ways, again, hey, internet, how are you behind me? I, I was doing podcasts and radio shows of this nature, but like back in 2006, 07, before this thing even really exploded. And I have always loved the intimate, like I, I always like guerrilla nature of broadcasting. I know I work in the corporate world and I know I'm in my mid forties and whatnot, but I love, I love hip hop, of course. And I love just the raw nature of, of this kind of stuff. The, the, where's the lie? Like it's, this is authentic, not the, you know, Joe anchor on the tip. So for me, I'm incredibly excited. What I hope this leads to, I, I have other things about my life that I, I want to share in terms of mental health advocacy, but in a hopefully what might be a viral video for mental health or or music. I, I love to talk to every walk of life, almost be a male version of Oprah for mental health because it go. covers everybody. So if I could sit in a nice studio like this and have these wonderful people film me and I just show up and talk to amazing people and try to make the world a better place, call me a happy camper. How will you know... Showtime, Friday night, 9 p.m. Eastern, the Bipolar Rock and Roller documentary. How will you know it's a success? What, what, what's a metric for you that you know? It's, um, it's a success because it has been made. It's a success because uh, Showtime and all of my employers have, have shown their support. It's a success because one person has already emailed me and said it's the two-minute trailer saved their life. And it's a success because it was allowed to be made. That's, that's, that's deep. That's wonderful. Uh, you, you've touched me. Well, well I, well, I can't, I can't even imagine man. how Thank many you. people out there listening and watching Friday night showtime, 9 p.m., the bipolar rock and roll of the story of Mo Ronaldo that goes so much deeper. Moro, thank you so hey, much. For thank the time. you, guys. Thank you, everybody listening. Thank you. And, Facebook Studios in New and York. one thing I want to say, please, if you are you or someone you know is suffering, please go to Twitter at NAMI, N-A-M-I, N-A-M-I, communicate, or fountainhouse.org or clubinternational-intl.org. The, there is hope. There is help for you out there. Please, let's keep this good fight going. Booker yeah, T. I'm a member of CBS. Five times, Booker yeah, T. Five yeah. times. Hey, we're here to support more Ronaldo. I mean, this film is incredible for what it's doing for his message, but his talent, incredibly unique. How would you describe it? You know, um, sometimes you got to find a way in life how to to make it. And Morrow obviously has done that. You know, um, you know, you got to. You know, sometimes you're not going to be the smartest. You know, you're not going to be the brightest. Um, but we figure out how to make it, make it in life. Um, uh, me and Morrow, we got a whole lot in common. Um, for me, um, I, I used to, you know, act like, you know, a totally different person, you know, when I was in school because, you know, for me reading it myself, I couldn't do it. But to be someone else, I could read it. Um, and, and I didn't realize I had a problem or anything like that. Not, and I, to this day, still really don't know what the problem was. And that's what Morrow is. You know, you see him on the outside, you go, you know, you might think he lives in a perfect world. But the, the, the mind, the brain is, is such a delicate instrument. And how important is it to, to begin this conversation publicly? Oh, it's, it's huge. Uh, I think um, there's so many kids, so many young people out there that's walking in those same shoes that look for someone like themselves. Um, if you haven't walked in those shoes, it's hard to actually talk to someone about, you know, what it's like actually walking in that light, you know. So tomorrow to actually come out and tell his story and not be the person that he is on ter- on television that's not flawed at all. I mean, he can go through a television show and not miss a beat, but, you know, behind the scenes, he's flawed just like everyone else. But he's made made it in life, and, and that right there is a testament to tell everyone, hey, you can be down, but, but there is life in the tunnel. You just got to keep walking. What do you think he adds to NXT that wasn't there before that makes him so special to be a part of WWE right now? Well, it's, it's natural. You know, he's not like that acting or anything like that. You know, it's, it's a lot of true feeling um, with him actually watching the program. You know, but I tell, um, you know, young people, you know, the fans can only um, see it. They can't feel it. But Morrow makes the fans actually feel it at the same time. So he's a huge part of uh, NXT and WWE. Hey, I was just watching your WrestleMania 22 match with the with the boogeyman the other day with my kids. They were popping big. It's just it's on the front of my mind right now. I had to shout you out for it. No, man, that was one of my greatest moments to actually take a guy out there like the boogeyman and give him that WrestleMania experience, that WrestleMania moment, knowing that. 
that it wasn't just about me at that point in time. It was about him. It was about the fans. It was about you know the show first and foremost. So you know I'm, I'm you know I'm, I'm in a good place. Hey, thanks so much for the time, Buck. Awesome, awesome. Definitely wanted to get a few few thoughts here from Johnny Gargano of in, in support of Moro yes. the voice of NXT. Absolutely. This film. It's, I'm sure you saw the trailer for it. It's gritty. This is intense. What was your reaction? Uh, it's so cool of Maro to be able to open up. And I think that's what makes Maro who he is, though. He opens up. He does everything with heart and does everything with passion. And that's why he's so perfect for NXT. Because NXT is a bunch of guys like me who've been traveling all over the world who wrestle with heart, wrestle with passion. That's why I think the marriage of Maro Ronaldo and NXT is such a beautiful combination. And I tell him this all the time. I think he's the voice of our generation. And I also tell him that he makes me seem a lot cooler than I really am. <laughs> uh, so I thank him for that all the time. You know, you may have had your best match of all time. Of course, again, seeing Almas in January at NXT Philadelphia, he provided the soundtrack to that. He may have boosted an extra half star. He did. Just- he did. That's the thing. I I wouldn't be where I'm at today if it wasn't for a guy like Mario Ronaldo just because he put, like you said, he put the soundtrack on what I do. He tells my story. He says things like, someone check Johnny Gargano's DNA, <laughs> which made me sound like a superhero. And I I heard that I was like, that's freaking cool. Uh, but that's what he does. I mean, he, he tells the story and he lays that soundtrack. Because you look at any movie, look at anything like that, a movie wouldn't be worth that if you wouldn't have the music, you wouldn't have the soundtrack. That's what Mario does for us, and uh, we couldn't be happier to have him. And in closing, he's being very raw and naked and real with this. I mean, he's putting it all out there. What's the reaction in the WWE world to him bearing all and showing this is my struggle, but there's hope. There's a message. I'm here right now in support of Mario Ronaldo. We're all here in support of Mario Ronaldo. And that's the thing. That's the beautiful thing about 2018. Be yourself. That is the message. Be yourself. It doesn't matter what you have going on. We are going to support him 110%. And I I couldn't be more excited to see this uh, documentary just because I think it's going to open up so many eyes. Because if there's someone all over the world that's struggling with this, they can see Mauro, a guy who's persevered, who's gone on and lived his dream. They can see that and say, you know what? I can do that same thing because Mauro did it. Hey, great chatting you. Johnny Wrestling, great chatting you, buddy. buddy. Appreciate it. You know, Moro talks so much about your friendship, both both on the job and off, and how important you have been for his career. How proud are you that we're at this moment? Well, I'm super proud because this is, you know, this is him, and he wants to show it out. And this guy has no fear. You know, you already when we do the podcast, we do anything else. He doesn't care what people say. You know, people say something back, blocks him, boom, it's over. It's very simple with him. You know, he doesn't like you, you're out. He likes you, you're in. And I like people like that. How jar? This is some jarring footage. It's touching everybody emotionally. You've seen this though. You you've been there by his side. How much better is he today than in the past? Oh, he's doing way better. You know, I, I truly believe that this job is his medication for him. It literally, I mean, the first job, he had an episode in, in Fright, the first show. And he had also, you know, the, just before the, we we go live on the show, he's still doing these weird things and every, nobody really knows if he's going to be okay, you know, and then suddenly when the light goes on, it's tomorrow time, you know, and that, and that's it. And there's no mistakes, and he just keeps going. And it's, it's if there's a mistake, it's mine, or, or another broadcaster, but not him. It's insane. So, yeah, I always, I'm, I'm very happy now people can see it because over the years, a lot of people say, oh, his voice, he puts up a fake voice, and he's, and he, you know, and he's, he oversold this and he oversold this. And when you see the movie, when you're going to see how he is, I got goosebumps now right now telling yeah. us, you're going to realize that he is like that. That's him. Yeah. If he, like I said, if he will be a method actor, he will be Daniel Day Lewis. I mean, that that's how invested he gets. Yeah. I think every fighter, every uh, WWE per, uh, personality, they all want him to, to commentate because he makes them, you know, he, he's, he's invested 100%, not 99 Finally, in closing, what he does, jumping from sport to sport, wrestling, kickboxing, MMA, regular boxing, how rare and just unique is this to be able to do it at that level, not miss a beat, three days apart, fly across the globe, and beyond like that? Yeah, no, it's, it's been, it blew me away. First time I met Mauro, we had to memorize a six-page script. I was there already for 20 minutes. I'm going over the lines. Mauro walks in. Hey, how you doing? Boom, boom, boom. I say, you got to memorize this thing. Within five minutes, he throws the script away. He says, okay, when are we going to do it? I go, and I'm still busy. And he goes, uh, I said, what do you mean? I say, you got it? He say, yeah, I got it. So I start, I start uh, 
doing his lunch and he starts answering me and I go how did you do that in five minutes he reads over six pages and he has all the dialogue remembered so you know that right away I knew okay something's up with this guy hey boss great talking to you man thanks so much you're very welcome thanks Oh, yeah, sitting down in the office of Showtime Sports President Stephen Espinosa. Not everybody gets this type of access, Stephen, to see the incredible, incredibly large framed photo of Mayweather Pacquiao above it, your desk there. It is. I, I think between uh, that and the, the Yankee Stadium chairs, the uh, there's an abundance of memorabilia. I really have to you know cut this down. It's getting a little ridiculous here. The view in the city here, fantastic. <laughs> but of course, we are here ahead of the bipolar rock and roller movie on Showtime talked to Moro earlier just such an incredible project and the story Moro keeps bringing up and believe me I've listened to and watched every Moro interview this week is he says the first time you saw it mm-hmm. you thought maybe I got to protect this guy tell me that story yeah I um I had heard uh well going back I, I knew Moro had had struggled or is struggling with mental illness I I know he he's had a couple of relapses um you know while he's been working for us in boxing um but I'm not sure I fully grasp the um, the highs and the lows, the intensity, until I actually saw one of the early cuts. I started seeing footage. And then it, it really hits home how much of a, a current day-to-day struggle this is. And the first time I saw it, um, I think my instinct was to want to protect him. To, to I wanted to pick up the phone and say, uh, I want, uh, you know, are you sure you want to do this? Maybe you should pull back. Um, you know, you're a public figure, you've got a professional reputation, uh, you know, are you sure? And something stopped me before that. And, and I realized that that attitude, that urge is itself part of what he's battling against, that it is, in fact, a stigma, um, that, that he speaks about, you know, very eloquently. And, you know, by comparison, if, if he had delivered to us a documentary about his lifelong battle with cancer or diabetes or, you know, with, with any other ailment virtually other than mental illness, uh, I certainly wouldn't have called, wanted to call him and say, maybe you should pull back on the hospital footage or the cancer That's treatment footage. That's the very definition of the stigma in many ways. And, it, you know, and a lot of times we think of the stigma as, you know, as, as something very negative. You know, and saying, look, uh, uh, I, I don't want to work with this person. I don't like this person, whatever it is. But what that said to me is, you know, that there are ways, unconscious ways in which we stigmatize the, the illness and either, you know, I consider myself a, uh, a fairly sympathetic person and a, a hopefully a sympathetic boss, you know, that I was in fact unwittingly playing into that stigma. It really shows how far we have to go. Um, or certainly how far I have to go. And, you know, I think the, what I sort of resolved here is that, you know, like Moro, we're going to continue talking about this until it's no longer uncomfortable to talk about. It's funny. Moro has so many crazy steps in his journey. That's what makes this film so good. That's what makes he, him so special and unique. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he always talks about his first gig with Showtime. I believe it was the Barclays Center opening. Was that October yes. 2012? The, mm-hmm. uh, right. Let's get this right. Danny Garcia, Eric Morales, too, right? right? It was right. Uh, Tainted Beefgate Part it 1. It was. Steve. No, you're right. That was the, the irony. You know, the past just repeats itself. But, you know, obviously, if that story had gone negatively, you, he, he wouldn't have had this run. So what did you... Seeing him, what did you feel in that beginning where you say, no, this is a guy we should take a chance on support? Because he says, I've never had employers and a family like I've had at Showtime. Mm-hmm. And that's certainly a great, you know, uh, commercial for the, for the way you mm-hmm. guys treat your employees. But what did you see in him where it's like, no, this is a special person? Um, you know, I was familiar with him, um, through the, through our MMA. Um, so I knew his sort of passion and enthusiasm. Um, and, you know, his vocabulary, his wordplay, um, in itself, it's, it's relatively unique. There are a lot of guys that come to mind who are really intelligent and have great vocabularies. Um, you know, his sense of humor, um, you know, I, I know it's not maybe the traditional conventional way of, of calling sporting events. Um, but I'm, I'm okay with that. Um, and, um, uh, I understand it's not everybody's cup of tea, but, you know, when you have a, not so thrilling fight, 
that's when you start to appreciate the energy and the inside jokes and the wordplay and the puns. And there's, um, there's without question a, a, a real passion for, uh, for combat sports in general. And I, I think there's something, I haven't quite figured out what it is, but there's something about boxing, uh, in particular and, you know, to a large extent, combat sports generally that you can't fake it. You can call a lot of sports, you know, without truly being passionate. I know a lot of NFL commentators that are very good professional uh, commentators, but, you know, on their off time, you know, they're not really watching NFL games. They prefer to do other things on Saturdays and Sundays when they're not working. Um, but Morrow, um, it, it's truly, you could see his joy and his passion for combat sports overall. Like that, that's undeniable. And I think, those are the things that really appeal to me immediately. When did it click to you at a certain point supporting this guy who has these these struggles but also has this message and this story that, you know, not that we could use this story to tell it, mm-hmm. but that maybe we could be a vehicle to, to create change and to create a, a, a deeper conversation on this? I'm, I'm, maybe it yeah. coincides with greenlighting this, this project, but was there a point where you said, this guy's a special person that we've got here? And he has a larger story to tell. Let, let's let's aid in that. Let, let's let's help that. Process. You know, I, I think it's it's been a process for all of us. And and I don't think, uh, and not to pat ourselves on the back, but I don't think Moro, you know, would have predicted he would be doing this project five years ago. Um, and I think as he became more comfortable with us and in, in his more secure in his role here, you know, that allowed him to sort of start contemplating telling the full story because. Again, we didn't know the full extent of it. Certainly not his, his childhood, his teen years, the, the early years. Um, so I think it, it was a process for him as a process for us. And, and honestly, when we started a few weeks ago, sort of circulating things, uh, none of us was completely aware of what would, what the reaction would be. Um, Morrow, you know, wasn't, he had spoken about it a little bit in the context of some of uh, his experience at WWE and you know some of it had had sort of come out you know probably not optimally not mm-hmm. the way that he would have wanted to come out but uh, you know at that point he certainly wasn't denying it he wasn't he he was very open about it but um it really didn't dawn on me what impact this would have until we put it out in the world, you know, and, and I'm sure he's mentioned to you, you know, it's, it's probably, um, it's, a, it's an incredible burden in some sense. Um, there are ways in which it's very gratifying to know, you know, thank you for voicing what I've been thinking and feeling, but he also gets now dozens of emails weekly of, you know, I'm suicidal. Like, what do I do? How do you find the strength? Um, you know, just, he's become sort of a, a lighthouse, you know, uh, you know, for people. And I, I'm, you know, I know he is, uh, you know, that's one of the, the difficult things that he's had to struggle with in, in terms of the outpouring. And I think really it speaks to both his relatability and the fact that there are so few sort of role models. There are so few sort of uh, public cases of, you know, people coming out that, you know, when someone does, whether it's Kevin Love or even, you know, uh, Royce White. Um, Royce White, you know, I don't know if he shared that, reached out to him very recently Definitely within the couple of days. And I remember, you know, the, the, the Royce White thing really struck a chord with me because I remember reading about that as a, an NBA fan. And it was, it reminded me not to get too much into NBA, a little bit of Kawhi Leonard, mm-hmm. you know, and it's sort of like, no one really knows what was going on. There's this awkwardness. The team says this. The player says this. Royce was, uh, it wasn't really clear. It, it wasn't in retrospect handled optimally. Yeah. You know? We weren't ready as a, as a society, certainly. And, and I, I thought it was really, it really touching when Morrow shared Royce's, uh, you know, comment to him where he DM'd him and, and basically said, uh, one of the comments he made is, is like, um, you know, um, my God, you know, what, what the world is, is coming to now, you know, and not, not in a negative way, in a positive way saying, look, it was just five years ago when no one really understood 
what Royce was talking about. And now, you know, you can contrast that with, you know, DeMar Rosen and Kevin Love and, and now Morrow. It, there's, there seems to be a, a very palpable shift in the attitude. How proud are you then from a Showtime sports perspective? Given the track record for strong films you've done, but not necessarily in this direction, that right. have this statement or message that you're ahead of the game on this, that you had this opportunity, everything aligned, and that this is what you're putting out. You know, it's um, it, it's funny. I don't think we set out to do it, um, but by supporting our talent, you know, here we are. Um, and you know, I don't know. I know I've introduced Morrow to Brandon Marshall before, but Brandon, you know, in an you know, unintentional way sort of paved the way because ever since he started on inside the NFL three years ago, he's very open about his journey with mental illness Mm -hmm. and treating what for him is borderline personality disorder. And, you know, I thought that was, it was and is incredibly courageous given how macho in, in sort of injury resistant the NFL culture is. Um, and for, you know, a young African American NFL player to come out and say, I have, I have struggled with mental illness and this is what it is. And this is, you need to address it if you're feeling the same, you know, it, it, at one point, you know, dealing with the two of them, it is, uh, you know, uh, it, it's something that I think looking back and, you know, at the end of the day, a large part of, you know, my job is boxing. It's not brain surgery, but if, you know, if through this work we can support people like Brandon and Morrow, who I think are uh, to the more courageous, you know, in terms of you know, this, you know, this particular cause, uh, you know, I'd be really, really proud of what we contributed. No question about it. So the film's climax is ultimately the 2017 Morrow had, and it's such a we don't have announcer baseball cards to be able right. to compare legacies uh-huh. or, or right. who had the best year, but you have to obviously understand if you're a combat sports fan how unique Morrow is uh-huh. the body of work that he's done but currently is doing the employers that he has right. uh, the diversity has anyone ever had a 2017 like Morrow has had not to mention the the bouncing from WWE to Bellator mm-hmm. MMA to Showtime but the fights the yeah. quality the, the the events I mean can uh, no, how do you put that in perspective what he did what he's been a part you of you know and we uh he still mentions it we still make reference to it we after the first about a year, um, we, we started calling Morrow Forrest Gump because he was at, at, at the intersection of every major boxing event. And it was particularly, it was like Forrest Gump moments. You know, his, his first, you know, his first call for Showtime Boxing was the first event ever at, at Barclays Center, the first boxing event ever at Barclays Center. And it was, you know, been a long time since you'd seen four world title fights on one card. It was, a momentous card. And then later on, then he's calling what, um, at that point became the biggest pay-per-view ever in Mayweather Canelo. And then, you know, goes to Mayweather Pacquiao and then he's with WWE and he's at SmackDown and he's, you know, um, you know, John Cena, AJ Styles, Styles the Royal Rumble, Cena, which was yeah. like the instant classic of the year. Yeah. Cena Styles. I mean, if, if you have in your career a resume, which has Mayweather, Canelo, um, you know, let's go back further. You know, pride, you know, um, which is force. pride, strike force, you know, um, being part of the first MMA broadcast on, on, uh, over the air network television, CBS in 07. Which was like what, five, seven million? I mean, it was an absurd yeah. number. It, and, and really, um, you know, precursor to everything that, that UFC was able to achieve, certainly on television. And then you start layering in SmackDown and Cena Styles and, um, in, in what he's done with Mayweather McGregor and Mayweather Pacquiao, it's, it, it's, it would be a ridiculous career if it was just to find it. And that's just been five years. And he, he left a lasting thing on me when I had him on my podcast a couple months ago and he said, being this busy keeps me alive. Right. And, and it's such a raw, real, honest thing. Is there, as just a forget the employer as a friend, yeah. I mean, yeah. it, it, do you struggle with watching him struggle? Where I, I there there is I sometimes I do wonder because I I know particularly when he was calling WWE um, a little bit more actively before he he started focusing on NXT. You know the travel 
I mean, you know the WWE lifestyle really well. I, I don't know how anybody does it, but when he was um, juggling MMA and uh, all the WWE shows and, and ours, I, I don't know how anyone in optimal health could have juggled that. And knowing what it was at stake, um, you know, I, I wondered, you know, quite a bit how he handled it. And I think, you know, Frank Shamrock has been a huge help to him. Um, under- his manager, correct? Right. And, uh, you know, but more than that, I mean, he really, it was Frank who said, um, at a certain point when, when Strike Force ended, he said, you know, it's in the film, come out to LA, you know, well, you know, we'll, we'll get you active, the change of scenery, the sun, the, the attitude and, and ultimately medical marijuana, you know, it all sort of conspired together to get him to a really good place. Great, great to hear. Hey, to close, Stephen Espinosa, because I'm in the, the house of box right here. Can we get AJ, Anthony, Joshua on this network? Can we make the super fight under the Showtime brand? Come on, call Eddie right now. I'll, 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 I'll intervene on this. You know, this you. is, um, you, you know, I, I feel like it's sort of the obligation. We, we've had, you know, such a good run lately, and they've been getting the fights done at the time that they should be done and trying to uh, put the boxing's reputation for you know, maybe not making the fights often when they should. Um, you know, feel a really heavy responsibility, you know, to get that one done on time. I think it would be great for the sport. It would mean, you know, uh, it would have a huge impact among casual fans, you know, and the, the heavyweights, um, you know, I never really subscribed to the theory that as the heavyweights go, so goes boxing. True. But without question, there is an additional sizzle, additional cachet, additional buzz when the heavyweights are active, and it and it does elevate the entire sport. No, so no question about it. And I don't have to tell you this about making somebody the face of your network, but these Charlo brothers are moving product. They're ready to take over the damn sport. They're ready to take over your network if you'll let them. Okay. So from yeah. from the from TB from the Brian Campbell is telling the Stephen yeah. Espinosa, let's go, let's push these. Those guys. those guys, you know, and I think. And at one point, um, we might try something, you know, not, not only are they sort of entertaining in the ring, I want to do at some point like an alternate audio track, you know, and let the two of them just call a fight, you know. Oh, that'd be great. Their interviews are must see. I mean, you know, there's a lot of fringe boxing media that'll just follow them around and you see some of these. I mean, they're calling out Triple G, they're calling out Canelo. They'll fight anybody in the alley of outside of a hotel. You get the two of them together and they, it's just, you know, um, you know, the stuff that's going on between them that you can barely catch and then they sort of feed on each other's energy. It's great uh, Great stuff. You uh, you know what you're doing. I'm going to leave it at that. Thank you for your time, Stephen. (laughs) Thank you for putting out this movie, Bipolar Rock and Roller. Friday night, 9 p.m. Eastern. It's a pleasure to see it. Pleasure to see this out on Showtime. So Thanks, well Brian. I appreciate it very much. Oh, yeah. So pleased to welcome back <laughs> the voice of combat sports, Moro Ronaldo, to the In This Corner podcast. And Moro, it's a great time to be talking to you because of this great Showtime film coming up Friday night, 9 p.m. Eastern, Bipolar Rock and Roller exploring your your long day-to-day battle with bipolar disorder, the highs and lows, all of that in between, a, a, a jarring, real, raw look. I couldn't be more excited for where this film can go. And mm. I've been watching every step of this sure. journey this week, last week, all the media stops. You're giving everyone their greatest interview <laughs> they've ever had on their show. You gave us on this podcast just a couple months ago the greatest interview uh, we've ever had. How fun. is this process to be on the other side? Yeah, it's it's exhausting. I can actually um, have a better appreciation when you hear of these, you know, so-called spoiled uh, movie stars, much bigger uh, personalities and 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 celebrities, as it were. Because I don't consider myself a celebrity by any stretch of the imagination. But I got a taste over the last week of of what it is like to promote something like a documentary or film and. And, and yeah, uh, especially due to the subject matter, it has been especially uh, exhausting for me, but I know uh, why I'm doing it. And I, I definitely appreciate everyone, including yourself, who have helped me spread this message and the fact that I've received so much support from so major, uh, so much uh, media. Uh, my friends and people I've never met before, it, it has really touched me. And, uh, and of course, Brian, uh, I've always wanted to do a podcast in the back of an SUV in downtown well, New York. You talk so. about great, you talk about great access. You take great access when you can get it. But a sweaty back of a town car. I'll take it if I can get it with more Ronaldo. You know That's that. awesome. Well, I'm glad that this has been, in some media stuff, you said a cathartic experience. Sure. I'm sure it's, it's very trying at times to, 
tell an emotional, yeah. real, raw story so much. So we're at a point in society where we're, as the kids say, woke yes. on a lot of topics. Yeah. Where are we in the timeline on being woke as a society to mental health and the stigma in the I, overall picture? I believe we're at the letter W of woke, which is a, a good start. And uh, we still have we're, we're still taxing the runway. I think we're still even maybe building the plane that we hope to, to have uh, uh, take flight. I, I am actually emboldened and, and very, uh, happy to, to, timing is everything. And, and this documentary is dropping, uh, during Mental Health Awareness Month in May, uh, as we talked to our, our good friends at NAMI, the National Alliance on Mental Illness. It was by design that we were going to drop it in May, uh, and yet, when you look at what's happening, as you mentioned, uh, with uh, hip hop artists like Logic and and his contribution to the conversation through his lyrics and Ma- Mariah Carey uh, uh, talking about her bipolar disorder uh, battle with People magazine, uh, DeMar DeRozan, Kevin Love, uh, so on and so forth, Michael Phelps. So with all of these major personalities uh, talking about it, writing about it, I needed to do something that a lot of people uh, maybe didn't expect, and, and that's show it firsthand in all its raw, uh, unflinching, uh, at times incredibly uncomfortable to, to, you know, viewing experience because otherwise I don't know why this would matter other than, yeah, it's a compelling journey of a guy who had a dream as we all do. And yes, I've had amazing success. Like, but it's, like you're saying if it was surface level, sure. it would stay there. Sure. You're putting your hands inside yes. of the wound here. Yes. You are showing us, yes. and I have to commend you for yes. that. Yes, well, thank you. But there's... It's, what is that like to watch for you? It was uncomfortable, but I, I guess, again, that's when I knew it was uh, the right thing is because yeah. I even told them, I think we need to even make it worse. Like, they're like, oh, no, <laughs> we're going to protect you a little bit at least. And so I, I'm i okay. I grew up on camera, started my career at 16. I don't have any issues about me being... Uh, served up as this, uh, don't want to say sacrificial lamb by any means, because I don't think I'm making any sacrifices. I'm actually just trying to help here. But, but I, I wanted to just show people, look what I do for a living. Look at the level that I do it in. But this is what I also deal with on a daily basis. And I'm still here. Too many people, especially men have committed suicide, uh, due to the stigma of mental illness. Uh, the fact, you know, you're looking for attention, uh, you're lazy, uh, snap out of it, go get some fresh air. Uh, uh, you know, it's all in your head. Yes, actually it is. It is the invisible illness. And, and I just want to make it okay to not be okay. And, and try to just, the more we talk about it, the more lives we will save because, Talk therapy is so important and, and having a support network and the impact already, uh, that I've seen just through the emails that I've received or messages on, on social media. It's incredible. The amount of men, especially who have come oh, yeah. forward, whether they be military veterans, successful bankers, uh, every walks of, every walk of life has just said, wow, this is so necessary. Uh, just a two minute trailer. They haven't even seen the documentary <laughs> has already impacted them that way. But so that's the most intense two minute <laughs> trailer anyone's ever seen. And look, you're naked. This yes, is a, yes, literally. Is this liberating? I have to imagine this is liberating because you're not hiding. You're no. saying it's not like you're getting on a post pedestal acting. You're sure. saying this is really yes, who I am. Yes. And, is there freedom in that? For you? And you're absolutely, Brian. And I, uh, you know, I loved Robin Williams. I loved Andy Kaufman. And, and there was always, I've always had that performer's uh, genetics. I think even in the way I do my job, as we've seen recently with those videos of my uh, visceral reactions to calling NXT uh, TakeOver, which was one of the greatest uh, events in, in, in professional wrestling history. And so for me to be able to just, it is cathartic. And, and my work is therapy. And I want people to just see Look, I want you to cringe. I want you to be uncomfortable because I want you to see what you already see in your everyday life. I'm sure one way or another, we are all impacted by mental health. One in five Americans will suffer from a mental health disorder during their lifetime. Uh, depression is the leading cause, one of the leading causes of death worldwide. So for me, this is not about being courageous or even brave. It is about someone who has succeeded, has been, uh, has actually benefited from the positive aspects of the condition because there is that. I've often said, would it be nice to have a Coachella for mental health? You oh, imagine yeah. the bands, the, the, the art, the comedians, the, the, the perform, like it would be amazing. And we'd be there celebrating and talking and loving and empathizing. And so this is, this is, needs to be celebrated as much as it needs uh to just be understood i i think clearly that's that's what this this film is doing and, and it's great to see and i we get to see a piece of your daily struggle and the, and the thing is like this is a feel-good story but it's also a wake-up call sure. to your daily battle so 
does your daily struggle improve with age and wisdom? Mm. Does it change with life circumstances? I find in my own mental walk, sure. my own spiritual walk, sometimes success is the hardest thing I deal with. I almost, you know, you hear that, that saying, you wouldn't wish that sure. on, on your worst sure. enemy. Sure. Sometimes that's the hardest thing. I can deal with failure. I can deal with screwing up. Yeah. What, what factors change for you in your battle? Yeah, great question. I, I think with age comes that wisdom. And even in, for myself in, in dealing with, uh, how I try to cope and I'm, I'm constantly struggling. It is the daily battle and I sometimes, uh, continue to self-sabotage. Honestly, if I were to get into a regimen, and again, this is strictly speaking for me, everyone is different and that's what makes this so difficult as well when it comes to treatment and the, 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 the we, we lean so much on these chemicals, this, these, the, and sure they help so many people. I understand that, but the side effects, are so egregious and I see what they've done to my mother and even myself when I was on uh, lithium and when I've been on Latuda, I, I've wanted to commit suicide. That's when I was at my worst. And for me, and again, strictly speaking for myself, it's, it's cannabis that I have found to be the one thing that is, there's something in there and it's not even the CBD. There's a THC aspect of where it allows me as crazy as it sounds, pardon the pun, to, to, almost not only relax focus but allow me to really create and and become more social right. I, I i have a lot of uh quirks and a lot of uh i'm not comfortable with as soon as i'm done calling a major event and people come up to me oh that was great great i feel awkward i feel weird and and you see it in the documentary as well so for me the 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 just the, the work the the constant talking about it is what keeps me going yeah yeah sure uh, fantastic and you know you, you're so honest and real with the hardest moments with, yeah. with questioning suicide at certain points in your sure. life. But you find out who you are as a person when you're stretched the most, yep. when your life is on the line, a life of a loved one is on the line. Yep. So I want to ask this as respectful as possible, mm. Moro. You are battling this and struggling this, mm. but you're not just another statistic. You are yes. standing out and, and doing this. So why are you still here? Why have you been able to get through those really hard moments yeah. that sunk others? I have the world's greatest support network, and it begins with my bosses and friends at Showtime, at WWE, at Bellator MMA, and and to family, to friends. I've been truly blessed, even when I was first diagnosed, uh, you know, close to 30 years ago. And so for me, that empowers me and buoys my, uh, you know, advocacy. I'm able to, to have people there for me and protect me when, when I'm at my, you know, most vulnerable or at my riskiest of, of behaviors. So I want other people to know that all you have to do, we all have a voice. We can go on Twitter and say, I am sick. I need help, please. And, you know, we always ask each other, how are you? Does anyone really listen to that question? Does anyone really answer it? And we have to start having that question and answer, um, you know, become more authentic. So for me, I've been protected. I've been inured because of the love and support I get from so many people. And I want, I want to pay it forward. And, and, and you're, it's, that's what you're doing here, yeah. which is great about this. You are paying that forward. And you said to us on this show, and it's the, the line that touched me the most, that keeping such a busy schedule ultimately keeps you alive. Yeah. And when you put those headphones on, what do you feel yeah. that you don't feel in the day-to-day -day yeah. monotony of life? Um, I, like Linus in the Peanuts uh, strip had the security blanket, the, the headphones and the microphone are my, my security. And what I feel then is the most alive I, I think I can be. There is no net. It's live TV. There's adrenaline. Uh, there is a tension. You are the center of the universe. There, there's a rush. There's an adrenaline. There's an eco. Everything is, if this is your show now, it's time to deliver. And all my energy and my focus goes into that. And it's like I need that constant IV of adrenaline and stimuli because when I try, and that's where my journey is headed, trying to cope with all of this, trying to deal with the fact that um, I, I need to find whatever that definition of balance is. So when I say something like that and the reason it sticks with you, it's because that's not healthy either. The, the, you know, eventually I, I have to stop everything. I can't do this forever. I have to also prepare to, to just have a, uh, downtime. It's not important to know every single fact or stat about every fighter who's ever lived or every movie, every song, every, every building. You know what I mean? There's, there's this, this, this detachment I need to make. And so that's also why I want to get this message up. When you find your true calling, that's one thing, but, but we need, we need exercise. We need talk therapy. We need meditation. We need more research and resources from much more, uh, intelligent people than myself and, and people with, you know, that right now, 
have the ability, I think, to maybe find a cure somewhere down the line. You said a, a term there, life's calling, and yes. certainly everyone who knows more Ronaldo would say, oh, well, it's the voice of combat yeah, sports. Yeah. No one is better than yeah, this. Well. My, my man, King Mo Lawal, on my MMA podcast <laughs> this morning says, not not this Mo, Mo Ronaldo is the best <laughs> voice in combat sports of all time. I mean, wow. you get that respect, but I feel like there's this other life calling yeah. that is coming through this film. What's the future of your life? If this film hits like we know it will, mm. like we are getting the feedback yes. that it's hitting, what does that future look like? I definitely want to continue the, the mental health advocacy, but I want to create um, podcasts, maybe create networks and stories. There's I want I want mental health to become part of my a broadcasting journey, whether it's interviewing, like I, Boss Rutan and I have often talked about, because we've, we've had plenty of success doing our podcast together as well, but the schedules keep us from doing it, and look what, you know, you, I think what you get out of doing your show, and, and so many of us, is I want to do a uh, a show that is, is, is devoted to mental health, but is still entertaining, whether we talk to celebrities, or, or athletes, or whatever walk of life, so I would like to get more into that aspect where I can become not only an advocate, but still be able to, to perform, but with mental health as part of the equation now. That, that is fantastic. I've heard you say many times, if, if you can touch one person, this That's whole project it. is worth it. I just want That's to say it. thank you because no. your advocacy on Twitter, and I've talked to you about this privately in the past, has changed the way I look at people in my own life. That I was part of the stigma without yep. realizing, oh, like you say, oh, just, you know, grab life by the steering wheel, yeah. get back in the game. Yeah. What's your problem? Yeah. And then having you in my podcast and you being so genuine, having so many people DM me and say, that's, yeah. that's the most real talk I've ever heard. Look, I'm going to be honest. I'm one man. I yeah. looked inside myself more and said, there's things I'm not addressing in yeah. my own mental that's health. Very good. There's people I'm not communicating with about the truth that I should be. I'm talking to somebody sure. now and I can only thank uh, you for fantastic. that because your words stung yeah. and stuck in me fantastic. and really made me examine well, myself. Well, you're very talented uh, at what you do and I can tell the, the heart and soul you put into it. So it does not honestly surprise me that you – that what I'm saying is the greatest mind, the most talented people in the world, if you were to do your individual research, many of them, maybe even the majority – are touched by what I guess Robin Williams called madness. And there is, we all have issues. So what's wrong with just simply talking about it? Imagine if you knew you were going to stay alive if someone just listened. There's no education that's necessary. There's there's no painful treatment that's necessary. Just simply saying, hey, I'm having a really tough time right now, but this is, this is how I think I can help myself. Can you help me? All you have to do is sit there and listen to me. I might cry. I might yell. I might scream. But but it's going to be a release for me, and and you listening is going to help me stay alive. Isn't that a great feeling? Yeah, I mean that's beautiful. And you saying, you know, men, we have we have yes. that tendency oh, to keep gosh. it on the inside. Look at our business. We we, we look at our it. business, man. It's in the DNA, and that's that's why it's empowering to me to have so many WWE superstars, boxers, uh, mixed martial artists, the media, uh, my brethren in the media who have come forward, whether in public or, or uh, anonymously to tell me, man, this is, this is making an impact. And thank you. Don't thank me. Thank yourself for finally seeing what, what is necessary. We're all, we're all battling something. Yes. You know, your, your colleague, Brian Custer says, yes. you know, check, check, Hey men, get your prostate checked. It's it. almost like there's an awareness now of mental health. Oh, get, make sure, make sure you're, you're going in the right place. Yep. You, you know, and I, and I think that's something, if that's the very least of that, oh. that this message, that this film is such, then you succeeded. So thank tomorrow, you. Thank well, you. For being so well, yeah, for well, being thanks, so real. Thanks for, for always being there, man. For sitting in a sweaty car with me <laughs> and, and, and sharing your story with the That's world. That's awesome, man. And remember, nobody puts uh, Moro Ranello in the corner. Oh, come on. Except come on. you. Except Ryan Campbell when he, when he asked you. In this corner. Now, that strong style, that is in this corner. Thank you. <laughs>